You good? Whew, I broke a sweat in that worship set. I'll tell you that. Man, I don't know how you're feeling, but you guys look good. I'll tell you that much. You're looking good tonight. Um, let's start tonight. We're going to um, do a little bit of a sort of a game. Um, there are no prizes. I'm sorry. But, uh, but here's what we're going to do. You guys have heard of Name That Tune. We're going to do kind of like something like it. it's Name That Band. So it's easier, but hold on. Here's the catch. Uh, the clips are just going to be one second. Okay, so we're just going to play one second of a song, and then as soon as that second passes, if you think you know who, which band that is, just, just yell it out, okay? All right, and then we have a 10-second version. If you guys don't know a lot about music, that's okay. We'll, we'll uh, bail you out. But all right, let's hear. Let's see one second of clip one. Let's see if someone can get it. Go for it. Someone got it back there. You too. That's correct. You too. That's a small, it's a small band from Scranton, Pennsylvania. They weren't that big a deal, so it's kind of interesting that you knew about them. But uh, that's an office reference if you guys didn't catch it. But um, all right, here we go. Clip number two, just one second. Go for it. Coldplay. Okay, see, we knew that one a lot faster. Very good. Man, you guys are crushing. Now, here's the hardest one. Here's the hardest one. Uh, yes, that was Coldplay. Uh, all right, so clip three, go for it. Nope. White stripes, that's correct. Wow, man. If I were you, I was hoping there was a prize because you nailed it. That was amazing. So here, here's the thing that really blows my mind. On clip two, you guys heard that it's like Coldplay, and it literally was just like chord, and then it stopped, and you knew it was Coldplay. That's insane. Like that, that was not a lot of time for you guys to understand that that was Coldplay. And the reason you were able to, to identify that it was Coldplay is because it's not just a piano chord. So it's the exact notes, yes. But then it was the exact type of piano that that song was recorded with. It was that musician who played it. It was that set of microphones on the piano that were this far from the piano versus this far. It's the room it was recorded in. All those things add up to things that your ears can identify. And that's how you were able to just hear a chord. And even if you're a musician or not a musician, you were able to say, Coldplay. And that's, that's crazy that so much information can be in just one second. And all those sounds that a band develops is what identifies them. And so today what we're going to be talking about is what I believe is going to become our sound. Uh, the things we're going to be known for. So when people think NLYA, I want them to think about these things. And this is kind of a new chapter. I, I met a few of you as you were walking in and, and you were like, this is my first time ever coming. I was like, great. It's my first time too. You know, <laughs> like I'm just as new as anyone else. And, uh, and it's a new chapter of young adults. And there have been various iterations of this ministry over the years. And God has used all of those versions of this ministry. It's so awesome to see what God has done through young adults here at New Life Church. But today's a new day. And there's something new that God is doing here. And I want it to be that the sound of this chapter of this ministry is these four values that we've been talking about. You might have seen them on Instagram. And I want us to be known for this. I want it to be that if we were a band, that these would be our four instruments. These would be the, the sounds that comprise the band. That is hopefully, and what I'm praying is that it would become even an identifying uh, factor as how we know that this belongs to NLYA. So uh, today we're talking about what does it mean that we are NLYA? What does that mean? Why am I saying we are NLYA? Why is this the first series? 
Well, the next five weeks, we're going to be diving into these four values, our core values, um, deeper dives the next four weeks. But today, I just wanted to give you like an overview so you kind of get a good sense of like, what are we talking about here? And then I can't wait till next week where we get to dive into value one at a much deeper level. But, um, but yeah, we are NLYA. So first, I want you to notice that I, we didn't call it I am NLYA. First of all, I, Eddie, I don't want it to be Eddie is NLYA. Definitely don't want that. Even though I'm your pastor and I love you guys, I don't want it to be something that equals Eddie. Um, and I don't even really want it to be you, R-N-L-Y-A, because even though I want each of you to be a part of this, what we're aiming for is to be a, a, a group of people together that has an identity based off these four things. And so if you are N-L-Y-A, then that will lead to what we ultimately want, which is that we are N-L-Y-A together. That's what we're going to become. And so what is that going to look like? Well, we're already a collective group of people. I mean, I'm looking around in this room and with this many people, you know some of us are single and some of us are married. So there's, there's different uh, stages of life. There's some of you guys who are in college, some of you guys are already in your career, and some of you guys are just in neither of those. You're just trying to figure it out right now, and that's okay. We're glad that you're here. This is a great place to belong. And, uh, you know, as a ministry, we're a subset of the church, and specifically this church, New Life Church. And so as a ministry, we want to look like the church. And so church isn't for one specific type of person, so it's for all people, and it should look that way. So we're aiming to have just a vast set of diversity here because the kingdom of God breaks down all different kinds of walls, guys. And that should start showing up here in our ministry the longer we're together. So I'm going to dive into these four values. Uh, before we do that, let me just pray real quick. Father, I, um, again, I come into your presence with thanksgiving. That's, that's where my heart is tonight. I'm just so thankful that we get to be here and get to spend some time together worshiping you and uh, also to hear from you. And so God... I can't, um, I can't change anyone's heart. I can't do that. And so that's why I'm asking you right now to come and uh, to do that work. We're ready to listen. We want to hear from you. And it's in the name of Jesus that we ask this. Amen. In the name of Jesus, we ask this. Help me out. Amen. Amen. I like hearing you guys, okay? This isn't a, this isn't a, a stale environment. You're welcome to uh, talk back as, as much as you feel led. All right. So uh, value number one is going to be expectant worship. This is where it all starts, and we already started putting this one in practice already. Uh, expectant worship, and here's a sentence that was on our heart to put under this value. We seek to encounter God and hear from him every time we gather. And you might have noticed on the pre-service slide that it said, you know, we gather as a ministry on Tuesday nights and then we gather as a church on Sunday. This is true of every worshiper. You should come expecting to encounter God. And, you know, I, uh, my background is in worship, so I, uh, I used to tour a bit. Um, I've been a worship pastor for many years. The preaching thing's more something that came up the last couple of years. And uh, as you guys get to know me, you'll know my story a bit more. But, um, but, yeah, so my background's in music and worship. And I remember we used to tour, and we'd go to different, you know, conferences, churches, arenas, all that good stuff. And I would stand up there, or sometimes I would sit up there on stage on the keyboard and I'd look out there and I'd see people, and even though the, the worship team was leading the same moment, it wasn't affecting everyone the same way. I would look out there and some of the people would be like, man, they are with us, they are engaged, they can sense God's presence. And then you look over and there's like a person, two people down, and they're just like, yeah, I'm not getting any of this, right? And so it just makes you wonder, what's the difference? <laughs> if the moment is the same, then what's causing the different response? Well, I would suggest to you, it's that first word of this value, expectant. 
It's, are, are you hungry for this? Are you willing to make room for God's presence to be welcomed in you, in your life, in where you are? And that's why we are aiming to be expectant in our worship. What is expectant worship? Expectant worship is when you come ready to encounter God. So I want you guys thinking about like, in, you know, Tuesday morning, you should wake up and be like, oh yeah, it's Tuesday. We're coming. NLYA is tonight. And the reason we're excited about that is because we get to praise the Lord together. See, we don't get to do that every single day. This is something special that we get to do. And Tuesday nights is with all the people who are in the same, similar, not same, but similar stage of life. And so we're going to come ready to encounter God every single week. And expectant worship is when you ask God to awaken you to what he's up to. See, I want to get on God's plan. I, I, I don't have uh, a lot of great plans. I always have plans and I'm like, Lord, please, like, just do something with our broken, limited plans. I want to get on God's plan. And, and expectant worship is when you're like, God, I, I want to wake up to what you're doing. Just like I mentioned in that, in that worship concert, some people are seeing it, some people are not. I want you guys to see it. I want you to see what God's doing and, and he's willing to show you if you're willing to ask. Expectant worship is finally this, it's when you believe that God will meet you here. See, here's the thing, guys, uh, so many times we're like, we wanna be expecting, we wanna be ready, and, and it's not like some false God where you like put an offering together and then you like burn the animals and you're like, oh, we hope this angry God doesn't kill us. Like, that is not God. The one true God, if you do this, if you come ready and expectant to meet him here, guess what, I'll tell you right now, he's going to meet you here. God already revealed this. He said, he said this, not me, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. If you're willing to say, hey, I'm going to focus my heart on God. I'm going to draw near to him. You already showed up in the room. Might as well draw near to the God you came to worship and say, God, I'm, I'm here to listen. I want to be awake to everything that you have. And you just watch it. He's not reluctant to bless you guys. He's a good father. He loves you. He couldn't love you more. He loves you. He's ready to pour out this blessing but are you ready to receive it? And so expectant worship is about that. It's about being ready to receive what God has. Um, I'm gonna take you guys to John chapter four. Uh, this is kind of, uh, if you wanna follow along with me, I'm reading out of the ESV, but you're welcome to pull it up on your app. Whatever version you have, uh, feel free to follow along. We're gonna go to John chapter four. I just wanted to show you this conversation that Jesus has with the Samaritan woman. This is one of the most important like worship passages in the Bible, and it's really, really informative as to what we're aiming to do here. So like I said, it's a conversation between Jesus and a woman, a Samaritan woman. So first, let me just say, uh, I love seeing Jesus break social norms uh, because he was willing to break a social norm speaking to this woman because he loved this woman. And I love seeing Jesus' heart for women, how he protected them, how he cared for them, how he saw them in a culture that did not see them. And that's the Jesus we worship, the Jesus who sees everyone. And uh, Jesus sees you tonight. If you feel unseen, just know Jesus sees you, okay? Um, Jesus sees you and he broke social norms, but he also broke cultural norms. Because this woman was a Samaritan and Samaritans and Jews that was a no-go, all right? They did not hang out with each other. Uh, the, the closest illustration I could come up with is, um, uh, okay, so I'm from Mexico City, Mexico. I know I may or may not look Mexican to you. Hey, oh, Mexico. Um, <laughs> maybe, did you go to like Cancun or something? You know, it's like a vacation spot for most of you guys. But um, I grew up in Mexico City, Mexico. My mom's Mexican, my dad's American. So I, I, yes, I have both nationalities. I'm fully bilingual. And growing up in Mexico, uh, so Spaniards 
were the, like, they, all the jokes were about Spaniards in Mexico. So here, here's why, because the Spaniards came and they conquered the Aztec Indians who were the, you know, native Mexicans. And, uh, you know, they brought their rifles over. And even though they were half the height as the Aztec Indians, they were able to conquer them. And then they, you know, they mixed, and that's what the Mexicans are. It's a mixed uh, group of people between the indigenous Mexican and the Spaniards. But because of all that long story, because of the history, all the jokes are about Spaniards. And hey, if you're a Spaniard, look, I'm good with you. I'm just saying Mexico's not so good with you, okay? Um, all the jokes were about Spaniards growing up, so they would be like, you know, you'd say like, a Spaniard walks into a bar. Like literally, that's how it would go. Like those were the jokes um, because Spaniards and Mexicans, it was like, no, those don't make sense. That's kind of like the vibe here. It was really serious between the Samaritans and the Jewish people. They're like, no, we don't mix. We're, it's like, we're happy that you guys are over there. We're over here. And so then Jesus breaks a cultural norm. Uh, he says, I, I have a word for you. And so he's willing to speak to this Samaritan woman. And, uh, you know, there's a whole first part of the conversation. And, uh, and he ends up, you know, telling her to go call her husband. And she's like, well, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, he's like, yeah, I know that you don't have a husband because you already had four. Actually, you had five. But the one that you're with is not even your husband. He's just like your boo. And uh, you're just hanging out with him. So because he tells her this, uh, verse 19 says this. It's up on the screen. It says that the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is a place where people ought to worship. And so what happens here is she gives him, she gives Jesus her burning question. <laughs> She's like, okay, you're a prophet? Boom. Here's the question I want to ask you, sir prophet, uh, because this is the argument of the day. She wants to settle this. This was her burning question was, are we supposed to worship there or are we su supposed to worship there? Um, where is the proper place to worship God? Because the Samaritans were saying that they were supposed to be on Mount Gerizim. I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it, but they were trying to worship on Mount Gerizim. And then the Jewish people were worshiping on the Temple Mount, Mount Moriah, the, the place in Jerusalem. And so she asked him that question. Then verse 21, it continues. It says, uh, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. Now, notice it says from the Jews, not for the Jews. Uh, God's plan was to save, you know, it says salvation came to the Jew first and then the Gentiles. So just know, God's heart was always to save the world. Uh, he loves the world and he wanted to save the world. That's why Jesus comes to start his kingdom, to inaugurate his kingdom. And so that's why it says from the Jews, not for them. And then after Jesus says this, I, I, he's about to just drop this massive, important passage on worship, verses 23 and 24. Uh, but notice that he said that the hour's coming but it's also now here. And here's the principle in expectant worship. It, we're looking forward to what God's gonna do in the future. I, I'm in on that and I have hope, I have confidence because I know God's gonna fulfill his word. He's, gonna, he's the author of our faith, he's gonna perfect it. All those things are awesome. And so we look forward and so we worship God because what is to come, but it's also here right now. And, and part of being expectant in worship is looking forward, but also looking here right now. If you miss the present, then you might get to the future and be like, man, I. I I, I, kinda, I kinda missed that moment before I came here. And, and I don't want that for you. I want, to, I want you to experience that the hour is coming, but the, also, uh, the hour has come, okay? God's kingdom is here. He literally started the kingdom when he came. And then he's saying, we should be praying that his kingdom would come, that things would be happening on earth like they're happening in heaven. 
That's what we want. We want this room to be like heaven. As much as we can make it like heaven, we want to make it like heaven. And in heaven, God is being praised night and day, day and night. And that's why we are his kingdom. And that's why we praise him. Because we want his kingdom to be here on earth as it is in heaven. And so, uh, so then Jesus says in verse 23 and 24, he says, but the hour is coming and is now here. Oh, I got ahead of myself. I just realized. That's great. All right. Well, that's where he says it. Verse 23. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers, here it is, will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. It needs to be in spirit and truth. So let me just unpack that a little bit more. So when, when we're saying we got to worship with our spirit. Um, that's, that could, we could do a whole sermon on just these two words, spirit and truth. But let me just summarize. Think of it as your spirit is how, uh, it's what's deep inside of you. Actually, Paul uses the term that the spirit of God is the one who discerns or searches the depths of God himself. So in the same way as we're made in the image of God, uh, we have that same likeness that we, we have a spirit and the spirit's what's in the deepest part of you. Uh, it really is you. It's the real you, not the you that's trying to impress someone. It's the real you. And when it's in your spirit, it should come out as an expression. So worshiping God in spirit is, I really, you know, from the depths of my heart, I'm expressing this. And so it's going to show up in my expression. And, uh, and, and so if you ever, you know, go to a kid's birthday party and you're willing to like get all excited there, well, that's, that's a pretty low bar. And then you get to like worship and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm not into that. <laughs> Well, that's not worshiping in spirit. Like God wants all that. God made you that way. God made you with all these expressions. He wants that. He wants you to worship in spirit. And he also wants you to worship in truth because you need to be worshiping the real God. Okay, you need to be worshiping the God of the Bible, the one who he revealed himself. God's like, here I am. And if you're just focused on only worshiping in spirit, you're like, oh, but this experience and, and I had this moment. Well, that's great, but just make sure it's the real God. Okay, make sure it's the real one that we're worshiping. And so we want to worship God in truth. And I would say that's why uh, preaching is also part of worship, just so you know, uh, because I'm trying to get you guys to see the truth of God's word. That's my heart, because that's part of worshiping God in truth. Now, here's the thing. We all lean one way or the other, and that's totally normal. You might lean, they're like, oh yeah, spirit, that's no problem for me. Truth, eh, that's no problem for me. Some of you, but here's, here's what God is seeking. He's looking for both those things. He, he wants you to have both. Each one of you can have both. God wouldn't be asking for this if he knew that you couldn't do it. You can be this. This is achievable. We can be people who are excited to express our hearts to God and have experiences and encounter God himself while at the same time being excited to learn more about him and, and, to, and to put things into pra practice. And, and as he reveals things to us, that we're like, yeah, we're going to do that because we love God and I want to think rightly about God. I don't just want to express my heart to God. I want to think rightly about God uh, because the better I see him, that should feed the spirit and then the spirit should feed the truth. You see, this is what we're aiming for. We're trying to be both those things. As best as we can, we want to be worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And that means we show up every week and we're expecting to hear from God. We're expecting to hear from him. So, uh, you know, this woman's burning question was, uh, are we supposed to worship on this mountain or that mountain? And I don't really hear that question too much these days. But I do hear other burning questions that we would ask Jesus if he was here right now. Uh, I hear the question, you know, God, do you like these songs or do you like these songs? Do you like this kind of music or do you like that kind of music? Uh, God, do you like five-piece band or do you like orchestra and choir? 
And uh, here, here Jesus' heart is the same. I, I think if we asked him that directly, he'd be like, well, I'm looking for worshipers in spirit and in truth. That's what he's looking for. And, and that's the priority here. Like all these, all these other things that we do, I hope you understand that they're secondary to our hearts connecting with God in spirit and in truth. If we get that right, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> it doesn't really matter how many instruments are up here. As long as, you know, the team, they're giving their best to worship God. You guys don't have to worry about that. And you don't have to be concerned about that if you are focused on worshiping God in spirit and in truth. So the first thing is we want to be expecting in our worship. Second thing, we're going to have focused discipleship. The sentence under there says, we address the issues facing young adults with biblical truth and grace. Uh, that last phrase is really, really important. We address, you know, the issues that we're facing as young adults, but with biblical truth and grace. Look, here's what's about to happen. Uh, as we are gathering and God's word is preached, um, God's going to shine a light on some sin in your life, uh, some things that aren't as pretty as, as we'd like for it to be. And I want you to know that as that happens, even though it's uncomfortable, it's a beautiful thing. That's God's grace to you. God is not trying to shame you. God is trying to free you. <laughs> he, he's ready for you to step into the freedom that he has for you. And so that's why this process of him shining this light on you, it's a little uncomfortable, but this is gonna be a place where we love each other. And as we go through the discipleship process, it's gonna be with biblical truth and grace. When Jesus came, his spirit was the spirit of truth and grace. So as we're interacting with each other, we want that same spirit. We want it to be truth and grace. And, and look, none of y'all are sinless, okay? I'm not sinless. So we should stop talking about our sin as if it's like, oh man, too bad to be you, you know, like as if, as if I've never done anything. So that's the truth and the grace. But also as God brings a light to it, we wanna say, hey, but here's what God's word says about it. And when God says it's wrong, there's a reason for that. God's not holding out on some great joy that's found in sin. Look, inside of sin is nothing but death and pain. Okay, don't fool yourself. This isn't leading towards your joy. You're fooling yourself if that's what you think. Joy is just on the other side of what God said. So we're gonna be listening to God's truth and we wanna be walking in his grace as well. And uh, you know, I thought of with discipleship, I obviously think about the Great Commission where Jesus is about to ascend into heaven in Matthew chapter 28 and he says this, this is the verse we all know. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's the part we all normally say when we're talking about the Great Commission, but notice what he says after that. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Okay, the, the Great Commission is not just the first part, it's all of, all of those verses. So we're gonna be about all that. So we wanna share the good news of Jesus and, and the gospel does change people's lives. That's absolutely true. And we just saw it this past week and 134 people got baptized, guys. That's amazing. God changes people. Everyone wonders like, what's the good news? I'm like, that's good news. God changes people. Do you know how many years I used to spend, and I'll be like, I wish I could change this about me. And you're just, nope, can't change, can't change, can't change. You know what you were missing was the power of God to change you. God changes people. I've seen it. Well, I've experienced it, and I continue to experience it. So, yes, all that, and then we, get, we tell them the good news, and then we baptize them, but then you got to be taught the things that Jesus said. 
And yes, we have the gospel, so we ha- obviously have the literal words that Jesus talked in, uh, when he was here with his disciples, but you have to remember Jesus also talked about how the Old Testament is about him too. <laughs> Jesus talked and he, he reveals how the Old Testament is concerning him as well. And so the whole book's about Jesus, guys. And, and so I, there's no place I can go here that's not gonna be worth it. Everything's gonna be worth it. It's all gonna be profitable for you. And, uh, and so we're gonna be aiming to teach to people to observe the things that Jesus has commanded. Now, here's the awesome thing. Discipleship, it grows with you. Here's what I mean by that. There's gonna be things you learn in the next few months, and then you're gonna be like, great, thank you, God. I, I feel like I'm learning that. I'm starting to observe it. And let's just fast forward to the, when you're 80 years old, there's still gonna be more things you're learning about Jesus. Okay, it's gonna grow with you. So there's never gonna get a point. None of us are gonna get to the point where we're like, and I got it, I'm the perfect disciple, you know? <laughs> There's always gonna be more things that you're gonna be learning, and I love that because Jesus, Jesus is near enough that you can have a next step in your growth, but he's also deep and rich enough for you to be discovering him the rest of your life. He's both those things. It's not just one or the other, it's both those things. Jesus is both those things, and we're gonna be discipling one another, and, and, um, and we're gonna be addressing the specific needs that we have. Um, I, I think of, I thought of a few, I just jotted down a few, These, this isn't exhaustive, there's a bunch of things uh, that we need to address, but one I thought of was relationships, and uh, yes, of course, dating, marriage, all that fun stuff, <laughs> but, um, but the way we treat each other is really, really important. Uh, do you know how much God has to say about the way we love one another? It, it, somehow we have this idea of like, it's just about, I gotta love God, and you know, I don't, it, I don't really care about other people, but I love God, and God's like, yeah, that don't work. That's, that's not going to work, okay? Uh, because he made those people. He made all these people. And so God loves the world. That's how he revealed it. His love is for the world. Every single person God loves. And so if you love God, you have to love your neighbor. Okay, these things go together. So we want to talk about relationships. We want to talk about life decisions. Man, this is the number one question, right? Like, how do I know the will of God? How do I know? Should I go left or right? Should I date this person or that person? Man, you have two options. I never had that. <laughs> okay. Um, but whatever life decisions you got going on, what is it that we can find in God's word to help us out? Because uh, if, if there's one thing going on from 18 to 29, it is life decisions. Life decisions, left and right, oh my goodness. And people are like, what are you gonna do? And you're like, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know, I'm supposed, I don't know, yeah, can you tell me? You know, like it's just, it's not super fun. And um, some of those decisions are happening in this decade. And uh, we're also gonna be talking about the development of your faith, uh, your faith. Like I said, Jesus is the author of your faith, but he's also the perfecter of it, okay? So God is, he wants to teach you some things and nothing breaks my heart more with young adults than seeing people who, who grew up in the truth of God and guys, during this decade, they walk away. And, and, and uh, look, if you're, if you're kind of, you strolled in here tonight and that's, you're like, man, I just don't know. Can I just encourage you, just, just stick around. Just, just stick around. Hey, I, I'm so glad you came here tonight. There's no, we don't wanna shame you. Uh, God's gonna welcome your questions. And uh, don't build your whole faith based off finding the exact answer you're looking for. Base your faith based off finding the God of the Bible. If you do that, I'm telling you, <laughs> this book has satisfied some of the greatest mind in all of human history, okay? So we don't have to worry about, oh gosh, we found this question that suddenly we don't understand and we don't get it and so therefore it's all fake. No, no, no. <laughs> Thankfully, we have a lot of church history helping us out here and we're gonna be able to tackle some of those issues. Um, also wanna talk about how you can find your identity and your purpose in Christ. 
um, you, you each have a platform. Every single one of you has a platform. And you're like, no, I'm not really influential. No, you have a platform. And God wants you to use it for his glory. And so I want to talk to you about your identity and how can we find that. Find that purpose. You each have a purpose. Um, and just like I want to use this platform, not for me, I want to use it for God's glory. In the same way, I want you to be using whatever platform God gave you for God's glory. So those are some of the things we're going to be talking about because God's word is living and active. Whew, man, I can't wait. <laughs> some of you guys, you might not know this yet, or you might know it like up here, but you haven't really experienced it, that God's word is living and active. Okay, so here's, here's what's about to happen for some of you. Let me say it this way. The more you read and study the Bible, the more it will read and study you. Okay, here, here because it's living. This isn't a dead book. It's, it's living. It's the, it's the holy word of God. So what's going to happen is we're going to dive into God's word and we're going to be like studying. Oh, look at that. Look at that. And then suddenly you're going to be like, I think that's for me. Like, I didn't realize that was in my heart, or I didn't realize that that's how I thought about it. It's going to reveal things in you because it's living and active. And one of the worst things I could ever do to you as a preacher is to make it seem like this book is dead and passive. It is not, guys. It is living and active, and I love getting to dive into God's Word. Actually, a more typical sermon is going to be where we kind of pick a passage and we say, let's go for it, all right? Let's dive in, because I know God's Word is going to do the work for me. I don't don't have to do the work, guys. I can't change your heart, but this book can change your heart. I've seen it happen, and so we're going to be diving in. That's why we're going to come prepared to experience the living and active Word of God every single week. All right, third value, intentional community. We fight isolation by embracing one another and our church. Remember, we're a ministry that belongs to a church, and this isn't the end all, okay? I want it to be awesome, what we're doing here, but this isn't the end all. We belong to God's church, and so we want to fight isolation by embracing one another, and um, man, that reminds me, excuse me, that reminds me of my freshman year at college, so I grew up in Mexico, and then when I turn 18, I go to Liberty University out in Virginia. And uh, all right, LU, let's go. Um, and uh, so remember, I'm like a kid who looks American, living in Mexico his whole life. Then I turn 18, and then I moved to the United States. And even though I spoke English well, because again, my dad's American, so I spoke English and Spanish my whole life. But then I get to the campus, and it was like. I mean, none of my friends came with me from Mexico. Like, I had no friends, and I'd left my church family from Mexico City. And, uh, you know, I kind of, I don't look like a foreigner, but I felt like a foreigner. Um, even though I could speak the language, it was just, like, not the same. Cultural differences um, exist in the American culture, guys. Like, you can't just read the dictionary and understand the English language. You actually have to learn, you know, like, one of the first things is someone, someone my freshman year was like, that guy's a tool. And I was like, oh, that must mean he's useful, you know, like... He can, like, do things. And, and uh, turns out that's not what they meant by that. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, yeah, so it's, it's all those things that made me feel like a foreigner in this land. And I remember my freshman orientation week, uh, I had gotten a job, but they, like, the paperwork took too long, so I wasn't going to get my first paycheck until the fifth week after working. So I literally had no money in my bank account. My parents dropped me off. Now, they did walk, drop me off with a meal plan, so I was, I was going to survive. That's why I had no money, but I was going to survive. But I had no extra money to get anything else besides the meal plan. And the cafeteria closed that first week. And I remember sitting in my dorm room and being like, I don't know anybody. I, I don't feel like getting to know anybody currently, and, uh, and I'm really hungry, and I had no options. 
Like I had, I had nothing. And that was, that's a low point in life. That's a crazy moment where it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, holy cow, like this is it. Like I can call my parents. They're like, we're in Mexico. Like that, that, they can't do anything. Um, so it's, it's up to me to kind of figure out. So yeah, I had to like humble myself and I started walking down the hall and I was like, anybody have any food or, you know, and, and, and here's the thing. I, I still remember exactly how that felt. And it was one of the loneliest years of my life. And some of you are in that place probably right now. And I want you to find a community here. And so I'm just going to be real straight with you. Um, community doesn't happen overnight. So if you came and you feel that loneliness, uh, you can't just come tonight and then be like, oh, it's fixed. No, it's going to take some time. And here are the two things it's going to take from you. First, it's going to take risk. It takes risk to build community because uh, people are going to disappoint you. We're going to disappoint each other. We're going to frustrate each other. We're going to hurt each other's feelings. All that's going to happen. But look, that, the damage of, of those relational problems is nothing in comparison to the damage you're going to do yourself if you isolate yourself. Uh, that's where the real damage happens. And I don't want that for you. I'm concerned for better things for you. And, and so we got to fight for this. That's why I put the word fight in there because we got to fight for this. So when you guys show up on Tuesday night and you got your group of friends, that's all great. You better go find someone else who you don't know and start talking to them. And, and just if we all have that same heart, my hope is that no one will fall to do the cracks and that we'll be able to capture all those who are experiencing that loneliness and that we would find that community here. So it takes risk, but it also takes commitment. And this is why my challenge to everyone was like, hey, join us for the first five weeks. Because I'm like, man, we can't do anything in just one night. Like we, if we want to start building these relationships, it's going to take time. So it takes risk and it takes commitment. When I talk about community, here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the inner, the inner circles of your relationships. Everyone understands that, right? Like whatever words you want to put on it, like the far relationships would be acquaintances or buddy. Hey, buddy. <laughs> That's always the word I think when you're like, I don't really know your name. <laughs> Uh, so whatever that far circle, and then as you get closer and closer, you're, you're like core friends. Community is going to be that last one or two circles. That's what I'm talking about. And that's where it's really, really important that you have the right people in your life. Proverbs actually speaks to this, and we don't talk about this often enough, especially for our age group, but here's what Proverbs says in chapter 13, verse 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So this is a proverb. What that means is God is saying in his wisdom, this is a pattern that happens. Those who walk with the wise become wise. And those who are companions of the fools, they're the ones who suffer. And uh, notice those two words, walk and companion. So God's not saying that if you just have a person you know who doesn't love God, then like you're a terrible person. No, that's not what God's saying. He's talking about the inner circle. Do you see? Walk. Companion, We're talking about who are the people you walk through life with. I want each of you to think about that right now. Who, think about some names. Who would those people be? Who are the people you feel like you're walking through life with? Well, I want you to find that here, in the church, in the people of God. You won't, we won't be perfect, for sure, but we can be growing in wisdom together. A wise person doesn't even have to be old. Uh, they're people who have listened to God's way, they put God's way into practice, and then they see the benefits of doing things God's way. And, and the word wisdom is actually connected to the word skillfulness, and I think of wisdom as someone who's skilled at living God's way. 
they're good at that. They've, they've been through this a few times and they started to learn that. You can learn this wisdom now. It's available to you. And so there's a skillfulness that you want to develop. And that's the people you want to do life with. Because God's wisdom says in the book of Proverbs that if you, you know, if you walk through life with those people, that's going to start rubbing off on you. That's good news for some of you. Um, and you need to find that wisdom. And don't become a companion of a fool. I wish there was a better word in English for this word fools because fools is like almost like a silly word for us, right, in English. But that, this is a serious thing, guys. The fool is the person who doesn't even believe God exists. Uh, the fool is the person who thinks their way is better than God's way. That is foolishness. And like I said earlier, that leads towards your harm. That's why the person who puts those people in their inner circle of relationships, I'm telling you, it's just a matter of time. And they're the people who are going to be suffering harm. And it's just so sad to see. I've had friends who I grew up with, and I'm like, yeah, we're walking, we're sharing life, we're growing in wisdom, all that's great. And then they move or something, they go somewhere else, and they change that inner, inner circle of community. And I have seen some crazy amount of change in their lives for the worse. And now it's like, I can't even recognize you. And I'm like, what happened? It was only five years ago that we were like doing life together. Well, what changed is their inner circle of community. So this is super, super important. That's where what I'm saying is what we have to find here is that inner circle the people we're walking through life with, that doesn't mean you just like isolate yourself from the rest of the world. No, God's, like I said, the world is on God's heart, so it should be on ours too, guys. Um, so we're gonna be building lots of relationships left and right. I'm talking about that inner circle. We gotta make sure we're finding it with people who are gonna be for our good. So um, last value is radical service. Uh, we believe that the greatest in the kingdom are those who serve others. Man, I had to put this as a value because if we don't have this last point in our culture, then I don't think we really paid attention to what Jesus had to say when he came to earth. Uh, this, is, this is massive. It, the reality is, is, like the values one, two, and three, honestly, most of you guys were probably like, yes, and then like the service one comes and you're like, ah, maybe. <laughs> you know, maybe for someone else. Yeah, there's people who serve here. Like this may not come naturally to you. And can I just be honest? It doesn't super come naturally to me too. And that's okay. We're going to discover this together. That's my plan. We're going to discover this value um, that Jesus taught. Let me take you to the words of Jesus in Mark chapter 10. Uh, Jesus is about to come into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. You remember his ministry, it, it all intensifies as it goes along. So early on, he's like healing people. and He's like, Shh, don't tell anyone. And then they go tell people anyways. And so then like a crowd comes around Jesus and he's like, I'm out. I'm going to go out to the outskirts of the town instead of being in the town. He's all like keeping a hush-hush. And then it all starts intensifying and intensifying all the way to the point where he gets killed on a cross because it got so intense between the conflict between him and religion and the religious leaders. And so this is like, you know, a late chapter in his ministry. Mark chapter 10, this is right before he goes into Jerusalem, the week of Holy Week. And he's talking with his, his, with his disciples, and James and John ask to be seated with him in glory to his right and to his left. They're basically saying, like, can we have, like, the great seat? Like, can we, can we be in the seats of honor, as this culture would have seen, the seats of honor? So they're asking for honor for themselves. And then, you know, they say that, and then the rest of the disciples are like, what the heck? Well, not you guys. Like, what about us? You know, it's like, they had dibs, but is there dibs, Lord, in the kingdom? You know, like, they're, like, start arguing with each other. And then Jesus says this, Mark chapter 10. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know that those are, those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. What Jesus is referencing is just how um, the Gentiles, the people who are non-Jewish ruling over them, and this time it would have been the occupation of the Roman Empire. He's like, you, you see those Romans, and for them, 
authority and power was used to oppress. That was the purpose of power, to get more power. It was a cycle for them, and they used their power to oppress, and they used power for their own benefit. Does that sound familiar to anyone? This is everywhere today. And Jesus steps into that, and what he says to his disciples, but it shall not be so among you. (laughs) And if you're following Jesus, I hope you receive this word from your master, from your teacher. It shouldn't be so among you. This should not be the way it is among us here at NLYA. Uh, Authority is not for oppression. Power is not for the benefit of a leader. So then what is it? Jesus says, but whoever you hold to be great among you must first be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What Jesus does with those two lines of being great and a servant and then first and a slave of all, he's intensifying it. This is a couplet. This is a typical use of a couplet where he's saying, okay, so if you want to be great, you got to be a servant. And if you want to be first, which is even better than great, you got to be a slave of all. The higher you think you're going to get in the kingdom, the lower you got to go. Okay? And, And notice how low, slave of all. Not just those, those people who ask for it, not just those people you like, slave of all, a servant to all people. Because in the kingdom of God, the greatest ones are those who serve. Jesus started his kingdom, and we get to be a part of his kingdom where only he's king. There's only one king here we're worshiping, and it's Jesus Christ. He's the one who we're praising. He's the king, and this king... He gave us his own example, that Jesus Christ would leave heaven, come to earth, and we would have served him in any way possible. And he said, I came to serve you. I came to give my life for you so that you could be ransomed. There's a problem you have that you couldn't solve, and so I came to solve it for you. And that's the example Jesus gives us. So how could we not take that example and say, we got some serving to do? As his people, if we're going to be his kingdom, we got some serving to do. And God's going to start opening some opportunities in our church, okay? There's going to be opportunities for all of us to do something to bless someone in the family of God here in our church. I believe God's going to start opening opportunities in the colleges of this area. Um, I've been already praying. I say, God, would you just open doors? (laughs) We're ready to walk through them, but I'm asking God, you open it. Okay? I don't need to fight for anything. We're just going to pray. We're going to ask God to open the opportunity, and then we're going to be faithful. We're just going to serve. Okay? We're going to be finding ways where we can serve in the colleges, in the area. We're going to find ways to serve our city, that we would um, bless others who, who are in need. And it doesn't have to be like all like door-to-door evangelism. Like that's what some people think of when I say serving. I'm like, we just got to meet some needs, guys. And, and, and as we start meeting needs, just like Jesus did in his ministry, then you start asking some questions. And then we're just going to trust God wherever that leads. Uh, that's a beautiful thing that I believe is going to happen. We're going to see it in our city. We're going to see it in our state. We're going to see it in our country. We're going to see it in our world. And we're going to get to be a part of that. See, sometimes when I think of serving, if you're anything like me, I always get overwhelmed. (laughs) Because I look at all the need out there and I'm like, there's no way we can do everything. But God's not calling us to do everything. He's calling us to do something. So we're just going to find something to do. Some way to serve. We're each going to find a way to serve. And if if we all do something, we're actually going to do a lot. But if we get overwhelmed, we're like, well, we can't do everything, so we should do nothing. How does that make sense? That's not the right answer. 
Just do the thing that God, whatever door God opens, we're going to be walking through that. So here we are. We're, we're standing on the edge of something new tonight. And I'm inviting you in to be a part of what God wants to do through NLYA. I don't want you to be overwhelmed by these four values. I don't want you to, as I've been preaching, you're like, man, gosh, I don't know. I don't really feel like I do that. I don't really feel like I do that. Hey, don't listen to that voice that's telling you, well, you're just bad at that. Don't listen to that voice. Listen to the other voice that's saying, hey, here's a chance for you to grow. You don't have to be awesome at these four values. Like this is day one. There's plenty of room, plenty of time to grow and to lean into these four things. God is just saying, hey, just come as you are. And he's asking, are you just willing to follow me? And I believe in faith that some of you are about to grow in worship in this next season. I believe it. I feel like I already see it. In these next few months, as we talk about these things, you're going to start growing as a worshiper. You're going to start seeing God for who he is. And you're going to start seeing your heart become very, very comfortable with making sure that God hears from you who he is. And then the thankfulness in your heart. Some of you are going to grow in worship. Some of you are going to see God's word come alive before your very eyes. And you may not have experienced it yet, but hey, it's coming. It's coming. (laughs) I'm telling you, I see it. It's coming. And some of you... You've been hanging around the wrong crowd, okay? You got the wrong set of inner circle friends. And I'm not saying you gotta get rid of those people altogether in your life. I'm saying you need a new set of friends in your inner circle. Cause this, there's just too much at stake. And, and I, I want this for you and you're gonna gain new friends and it's gonna change you. It's gonna be an amazing thing to see that. And I believe some of you who are lonely right now, you're going to find family you're gonna know what, it, what it's like to be known and for someone to be conscious about you and, and to be wondering how you're doing and ask you questions. You're gonna find that here. Some of you are stuck in this pattern of sin and you're like, I can't get out of it. I can't get out of it. I can't get out of it. And I believe that some of you are gonna to get to see breakthrough. It's coming, it's coming. We're gonna walk in this way. It's happening and some of you are gonna finally break this pattern of sin that's in your life and we're going to see breakthrough and some of you have never experienced what it's like to be more blessed as you give than you receive and God's going to open some doors for serving and you're going to be finally get to the experience man it really is better to give it really is better to serve than to be served than to receive and I believe you're going to experience that here in the months to come so here's a prayer here's a prayer I want us all to pray tonight I'll say it in this sentence it's real simple God I'm ready to walk into whatever you have for me in this next season. This is where we're starting. Just open hands, open heart. I'm willing. And then let's see what God has for us. So just take a moment right here. You can bow your head, close your eyes, and just pray that to God, that simple sentence, and and just take some time and commit this to him. Say, God, I, I really am. I'm ready to walk into whatever you have for me this next season. You pray that now. Father, I'm so thankful that you know each one of us. What an amazing thing. You know every single one of us. 
and you heard every word that has been prayed in this room, and you heard what it is that we're asking, God, we're saying, what is it you wanna do in our lives? And we're ready, we're ready to step into that. We're ready to see the things you want us to see. We're ready to experience the things you want us to experience. But Lord, it all comes back to seeing you for who you are. Give us a greater sense of who you are. Change our perspective, God. Just like when the psalmist says that we want to magnify you, we're not changing the size of you. We're saying, let our perspective change, God. We're not seeing you right. We want to see you right. And so may it be in these times of worship that we sense your presence and that our perspective change. Let it happen here as we continue to praise you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.